Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we ask the question again. Is it time for Chase Edmonds to be more involved in the running game? In the words of General Manager Steve Kime, thank God Buda Baker is back. And we look at how the rest of the NFC West did in Week 5. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 331, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So I made an executive decision, MJ, that on Tuesday, at least for this week, we are still in Victory Monday mode because we have an extra day because of the Cardinals game against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. So I think it's fair that we can enjoy what happened on Sunday against the Jets for one more day. That's fine. But you can't get too high and you can't get too low. And I got to hope the focus is on, obviously, going back and watching the film, cleaning things up. and Because uh, um, can this be a Big 12 football game we're going to see on Sunday or Monday? It's uh, not a bad comparison, <laughs> considering the Cowboys score a lot of points. They don't stop a lot of opposing offenses. And we know the Cardinals aren't satisfied with where they're at offensively. And if you can improve upon 30 points – Maybe less penalties, less stall drives, yeah. as we chronicled on Monday's show. Maybe the Cardinals can put up 35, dare I say 40 points against the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it's it's always good to win, uh, regardless of the opponent. I always say um, the NFL makes a schedule, and you play who's next on the schedule. And I know, you know, if they would have lost that game, the sky's fallen. All the expectations, all the hype, they didn't live up to it. So I'm glad we're not having that conversation, but... You know, I, I, I like some of the things they did in this previous game. Obviously, you know, there was disappointment um, when it came to the Lions and Panthers games where I thought those were winnable games. I think, they're, you know, this this one's winnable. Um, but, you know, which team's going to show up. But I really was encouraged uh, the way the line protected for Kyler Murray because you don't know what you're going to get out of Greg Williams. And then the fact is they um, were able to spread the ball around. Kyler Murray was much more accurate between 11 and 19 yards. They threw some uh, deep shots. So I think there's a lot to build on. So I was encouraged with the passing game. And then obviously you'd like to have more, uh, you know, rushing yards, not from Kyler Murray, but from Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. We'll get into that because that is an interesting topic of conversation. But with respect to the offensive line, I want to point the bird gang to azcardinals.com and our colleague Kyle Odegaard, who does a great job looking at the numbers and pro football focus. And the offensive line graded out very, very well, especially DJ Humphreys. Much more on that can be found, again, on azcardinals.com. All right, you brought it up, the run game. Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake, those two combined for 21 carries per 96 yards, four and a half yards per carry, which is very, very good. You throw in a Kyler Murray and all of a sudden the Cardinals team is averaging better than 100 yards on the ground. But there was talk even during the game and specifically on the broadcast about Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, great friends on and off the field. Yet there seems to be a growing sentiment, and we had this exact conversation earlier in the season, and 
Is it worth revisiting once again here after five games? Does Chase Edmonds need more touches, not just in the passing game, but running the football? Yes. I mean, if you look at the rushing totals, Kenyon Drake clearly was the bell cow going into the season, and I do like the one-two punch they have. I think they're different backs. Drake's carried the ball 85 times, 314 yards, 3.7. 3.7, he has two rushing touchdowns. Chase Edmonds has only carried the ball 19 times, 95 yards. He's averaging five yards a carry, and he has one touchdown. Now, Kyler Murray obviously bails these guys out. He's averaging 7.2 yards a carry, and he also has five rushing touchdowns. So it's a little misleading when you when you look at the rushing game. You have to include Murray in there. Yes, but we want to focus just strictly sure. on the running backs because how do you get a good offense? You have to get the run game going, and you hopefully don't have to use your quarterback in order to get that run game going. Well, one thing that was uh, – you know, clear in the second half, you know, first of all, Kenyon Drake, he looked like David Johnson a little bit out there, kind of decisive, not hitting the holes, uh, kind of dancing a little bit. In in this offense, um, if you see a sliver, you got to get there. And the offensive line, you know, under Sean Cooler, they've done a really good job getting to that second layer. So, and then all of a sudden, uh, he comes to the sidelines and maybe he's watching the way that you know, Chase is running behind the line and the way the offense is, is able to move the football. And he carried the ball in the second half 10 times for 45 yards. That's four, five a pop. So something transpired. It could have been a conversation on the sidelines. Hey, start hitting the hole. We need you to run, you know, a different way. Uh, I don't know. But something happened to where he all of a sudden looked like a different back in that second half. It was the 312 mark give or take a couple of seconds in the third quarter because it was an off right end run that knocked Drake back one yard. He lost a yard on that carry. He exited the game for a couple of plays, came back in, and it was three straight runs straight ahead for eight yards, seven yards, and that one-yard touchdown run. And Chris Spielman on the Fox broadcast openly asked, quote, wonder if someone talked to him, end quote referencing Kyler Murray, the discussion that you were just having. Did someone say something? Because from that moment on, including in the fourth quarter, those three straight runs to help to get the team to the two-minute warning and ice the contest, it was a lot of bouncing to the outside. His first run looked like he missed a wide-open hole straight ahead, bouncing it to the left, bouncing it to the right, and we hadn't really seen a lot of that from Kenyon Drake. No. And as a team, I mean, they're averaging 4.8 yards a carry. They do have eight rushing touchdowns where the opponents only have three. The average is good, but the efficiency is not there, Craig, where, you know, a four-yard run can become a seven- or eight-yard run. And it just seems like when Chase is in there, it's a little bit different. I mean, obviously, fresh legs. He's a different runner. Uh, they're not really targeting Kenyon Drake in the passing game, which I'm fine with. He's not David Johnson out there. And Chase, I think he's improved in pass protection. I think he's he's a shifty where he can run routes. He's good in the flat. Um, again, obviously Drake's going to be your, your guy that's going to get the, uh, the the grunt yards. But I would like to see Chase Edmonds. You know, obviously it's a one-two punch. But I think Evan, Edmonds has earned the right to get more carries. I mean, the fact that he had, you know, uh, you know, the one carry at, at one point in the game for 29 yards, and what they do? They ran up the middle. Yes, and that was the one big difference as far as passing the eye test. 
Chase Edmonds attacks and Kenyon Drake seemed a little bit more hesitant and going east-west as opposed to north-south. And I don't know why this particular game or the last couple of quarters in which, but I went back and looked. He had the ball 18 times, 18 carries. His most successful runs were straight ahead, and 11 of those 18 carries he ran in between the tackles as opposed to bouncing it to the outside. There was even a catch over the middle for two yards, and instead of turning up field, he headed towards the sideline. That was noticed by the broadcast crew on Fox. So whether or not something was said or the light bulb went on, I certainly want to see Yet at the same time, 18 carries for Drake, just three for Edmonds. Is there a way for that difference to shrink a little bit? I would hope so. I mean, again, they, they made it very clear, and I think it, based on them putting the uh, transition tag on him that he was going to be the bell cow. But we all know in this league you need two backs, and they're different. You know, that that's the, the difference. That's probably why Eno Benjamin hasn't been active. And they've had Jonathan Ward up. He played like three snaps. He's also playing on special teams, but he's kind of a, a bigger back. Again, I, I don't know if he's pressing, but clearly he's not running like he did when he got here for the last eight games of the season. Calvin Beecham brought up something interesting earlier today when he addressed the media as far as their overall play, the offensive line. It's not so much the sacks, it's the hits on Kyler Murray. And then he added, we haven't had a running back hit 100 yards yet. As a team, they are, but he wants, and the offensive line wants, a Kenyon Drake or a Chase Edmonds to get that century mark. They've come close, but we haven't seen that big explosive game out of the running back position yet. Well, he even went further and said we would like to see both guys get 100 yards. And that means you're you know, obviously controlling the, the line of scrimmage, the clock. Um, but I do think based on the Cardinals, just like a lot of different teams in the league, they're throwing more on first and second down. It's not automatic you're going to run there. But I do think if you can get the running game and you can be a threat there and get to the second level – all of a sudden it's going to open up the passing game because now that they put six guys in the box, they put seven, and that's where Murray's going to be obviously utilize the play action, the RPOs, the zone reads. So, again, I, I would just like to see more out of him. I, I want, you know, again, um, you know, I don't, he's seeing something different than when we see when we watch the game. Um, but clearly when he watch, goes back and watches film and he looks what he did in that third and fourth quarter, I think he can go back and say, I wasn't doing that same thing maybe in the first half. Yeah, build upon that performance exactly. against the Jets. It's fair to ask, though, if you do get more touches to a Chase Edmonds, is he the type of running back? Is he physical enough? Is he strong enough to handle and to carry more of the load if you take some of those touches, those carries away from Kenyon Drake? Well, it's, it's a question, you know, Steve's mentioned he could be in your number one back. Now, Again, you're probably not going to give it to him 25 uh, times a game, whether it's rushing or receiving. But to me, he, he's a guy that 15 to 18. If, he, if, if, if Drake's getting the, the majority of the carries, there's no reason why Chase Edmonds at the end of the day should have three rushes. It, it could be seven or eight. And, and they only ran the ball 30 times, so it's not like – and Kyler Murray's going to run five to seven times. And if Drake's getting 18, so all of a sudden, you know, we're getting up there. But I think he should get more – and, and we don't know, and, and they've made it very clear that each running back has said, well, more Drake than Edmonds. Edmonds is ready when his number's called, that you have to get into a rhythm. So, you know, maybe it's every third or fourth possession you bring in Chase, 
And one thing you pointed out on the Red Sea report, we also did see two running backs in the backfield together. And maybe you're not tipping your hand what you're going to do there because I do think Chase is much more effective in the passing game. Edmonds certainly has made the most of his touches, and he did that on Sunday. He had eight touches, three carries for 36 yards, five catches for 56 yards. Do the math. That's 92 yards from scrimmage plus a kickoff return for 31 yards. So it's very easy to see that when the ball is in his hands, uh, although it's a limited a number of times, good things tend to happen when he runs with the football or is catching the football. And at the same time, we know historically, and we're only talking about 21 games, that Cliff Kingsbury does not utilize a two-back system. He might say he wants two running backs, but when you look at the numbers at the end of each week, there's always been one, whether it was David Johnson before Kenyon Drake got here, or then it was Chase Edmonds when Johnson went down, and then when Drake got here, there's always been that one guy who's been the dominant ball carrier that particular week. Yeah, and they rely on that because, you know, you look at both players, I think they all both can play on third down, um, and the Cardinals really don't have a third down back. Um you know, if you look at it on paper, offensive snaps, Kenyon Drake has 239, which is 67% of the of the running back snaps. Chase has 161, okay? Um, he, that's about 37%. Why can't that number come down and that other number come up? And I, you know what? Quite frankly, I'm going to ride the hot hand too. If, if, if Kenyon Drake's going to run like that in the first half and – you put him out there in the second half, and maybe they talked to him at halftime, or they showed him some different uh, alignments with the running game. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm running. The, I'm riding the, riding the hot hand. I really am. And what you said earlier about a running back in particular, we know this about Kenyon Drake. As the game progresses, they tend to get better. They get into a rhythm. They get into a flow. Yet if you're cutting that off after the first quarter or the first series to get Edmonds on the field or vice versa, then all of a sudden does that hurt your overall offense? It's easy to say, oh, just get the ball in the hands of Edmonds more often. Yet what does that do? What is the trickle down? That obviously means less touches for someone else. And if Drake is on the sideline, then does he all of a sudden feel stopped as far as his momentum that perhaps he was starting to build? Yeah, I'm just glad I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> but but it, it's I think it's a good it's a good situation because you know last year when David Johnson got hurt and Chase got hurt, they brought in Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris, and then next thing you know, Steve pulls off the trade, and it really settled things in. And the offensive line obviously did a really good job. But I think there's room for both guys. I really do. And, you know, depending on how the first half flows, I'm sure there's certain plays for Drake and there's certain plays for Edmonds. Now, it's not automatic. They're part of the uh, – when they when they break the huddle, Kyler has an option to check out of a play. But I'm sure they have different um, packages for these guys. Um, but I would ride the hot hand, and, and maybe we'll see that. But clearly they've made it uh, known over after five weeks that Kenyon Drake is the featured back. Let me throw another wrinkle into this discussion here on Tuesday on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You look at the other players, the other skilled players, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Darrell Daniels, Andy Isabella, Trent Sherfield, Keyshawn Johnson, I didn't even mention Dan Arnold, who wasn't even targeted on Sunday. Is there even a way to get two running backs going in which you are certainly top-heavy in the passing game and there are touches to be had for a Hopkins, a Fitz, and a, uh, a Christian Kirk 
are you just kind of limited based off the nature of the sport if you're going to be more of a passing offense than balanced? Although on Sunday it was more balanced. Yeah, 37 passes, 30 runs. Now the Cardinals last year as as a team, they they averaged 62.5 total plays per game. They're up this year. I mean, they're up about 68 to 69, close to 70. So I think there's, you know, it's not like they're sitting at 55 and 58 and you're telling me who are you going to spread the ball around to. They're getting more plays. They're converting more on third down. They're scoring in the red zone. Um, And defensively, you know, at least in the last game, they got, you know, a possession or two more because, you know, the Jets couldn't score um, in the red zone, so to speak, and they couldn't get off the field on third down. So, but I think it, when you when you have an average of sixty to sixty eight to seventy plays, I do think there's enough uh, targets and touches to go around. Again, as you, like you said, it is certainly a good problem to have, and you'd rather have this problem than looking for guys to run the football or throw the football to. So we'll see how this materializes. But twice now in five games we've had this discussion, and it's a credit to Chase Edmonds on how well he's performed when he does get his number called as he did on Sunday. Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. As we continue here on this Tuesday, the other note that we wanted to get to on today's show was the fact that Buda Baker was on the field. He returned after just a one-game absence. The thumb surgery certainly held him out of action for one game, and that was right now, to date, the worst game, worst defense performance of the season, and that was at the Carolina Panthers. But you look at the numbers, Baker played all 69 defensive snaps, plus five more on special teams with a cast on his right thumb, although he, as he mentioned to us before the end of the week, he did have all four of his fingers available, and that's why perhaps he led the team with 10 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. Yeah, and we were not talking about missed tackles. Um, he's a tackling machine, and he puts himself in position, and we didn't see as many uh, guys running free in the secondary like we've seen in the Carolina game and at times in the Lions game. So, um, there's a reason why he's one of the best safeties in football. And when you break the huddle, you better make sure you know where he's at because he's really the racer. He can line up in the slot. He can line up in the, in the back end. He can come off the uh, the edge to blitz. Uh, I love the way they use him. Um, and, again, uh, when he's on the field, uh, you're, you, they're a much better football team. Yeah, and the numbers back it up. The defense allowed season low in points, total yards, passing yards, yards per play, and average yards per pass play against the Jets and it's hard to believe that it's just one person but that's what we're looking at from the Carolina game to the Jets game what was the difference well Buda Baker was on the field against the Jets and he wasn't the week prior yeah and you know we've been focusing on missed tackles just because we've seen it you know in certain points and let's be honest when you're playing your fourth and fifth safety you're going to have some miscommunications but they did also take some bad angles uh, uh, on the game against Teddy Bridgewater. So I went back and looked, okay, I, I try to focus on the NFC West because those are the teams where, you know, you're competing against, and l- let alone your conference. So missed tackles in the division, Craig. The Rams 42, Cardinals 38, Seahawks 35, and the 49ers 30. Now I also looked around some t- other teams in the league. You know, the Patriots, they only have 17 missed tackles. The Steelers 32, the Ravens 41. So, um, Again, we focus on the Cardinals and their opponent weekly, 
But this is going on across the league, missed tackles. Well, I think it's because there was no preseason. And say what you want about preseason and the number of snaps that veterans play, it still was some football, still some hitting, and you get your body calloused to that hitting. They didn't have that. So it doesn't surprise me that it's up across the league. You certainly now would hope to see a downward slope starting, well, last week. Well, and and it seems like just based on the scoring every single week, there, 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 there was more touchdowns scored, and, and they do include the special teams and defensive touchdowns. There's more points scored, and, and you can make the case that the offense is clearly ahead of these defenses. Now, that will change when the weather changes a little bit. Teams start running the football. Um, and I think now we're going to see more crisp football when maybe the first month of the season a little it was a little bit sloppy for the most part. Well, last check, and I haven't done it so far this week, but a week ago eight different teams were averaging at least 30 points a contest. And we know the Cardinals have only hit that mark twice this season, including last week against the Jets. So better tackling, better performance, and if you give up yards, that's okay. But what do you do when it's crunch time? What do you do when it's inside the red zone? And the Cardinals much better against the Jets inside the red zone. Only one touchdown and three trips, including once turning the ball over on downs to the Jets' offense. So certainly something for the offense or the defense of the Cardinals to hang their hat on. The other interesting item, and I just noticed this one looking at what Buda Baker's snap count was, how about Deontay Thompson? He might have turned a little bit of a corner because he was on the field for every single snap but one. And now all of a sudden what was maybe a issue of depth in the safety position, if Deontay Thompson has all of a sudden righted the ship, if you will, Jalen Thompson, soon to come back. Maybe Chris Banjo, soon to come back. Now, all of a sudden, you've got extra depth at the safety position. Yeah, I've been impressed with Deontay Thompson because, you know, when they drafted him, you're thinking he played for Nick Saban. He played in a pro-style defense at Alabama. You know, there's got to be something there to where, you know, he's got some upside. And then, they, you know, in the supplemental draft, they draft Jalen Thompson, and he became a starter last year. Obviously, it didn't work out with uh, DJ Swearinger. And I, I, I think as if you're Deontay Thompson, you're thinking, all right, I got away from my opportunity again. And he, I, I like the way he came up and tackled in that game. It was early in the game. I like the way Patrick Peterson tackled. He was physical in that game, and that's something that was a point of emphasis. But I think when you, you when they bring in another guy at your position, and it was the same draft class, and whether you were a fifth-round pick and he was a fifth, he could have been injected to be a second-round pick. I, I think it, it, it's competition, and I think when he felt, hey, when I get back in there, I'm going to make the most of it. Because now all of a sudden, maybe he takes the reps from Chris Banjo, who's more of a special teams guy. You know, all of a sudden, now you've got a three-man rotation with Buda Baker and both of the Thompson twins, and, and they have enough uh, reps under their belt now where they should show improvement. And I think it's a good point you make as far as seeing someone in your spot, your position, all of a sudden excel or get better because Deontay Thompson should have been that guy coming out of the gate as the fifth-round pick, and Jalen Thompson arrived so late in the process, yet it didn't take him long to supplant Deontay as the guy, and we heard Vance Joseph praise Jalen early on as far as how physical he was, how good of a tackler he was, and now perhaps, and we say it, all these players develop at different rates. It takes some guys longer than others. Case in point, Isaiah Simmons still trying to figure out his way into this defense of the Arizona Cardinals. But now with Jalen Thompson and Deontay Thompson, I think you've got something there at the safety position. And the question becomes how much 
can they do as far as maybe one-on-one coverage if you get lost in the cornerback discussion or there's something or there's an issue on that side of the field? Well, I, I just think the the secondary settling down now. Obviously, bringing Buda Baker back helps it you know tremendously, but I think the corners are settling down now. You got you know you Patrick Peterson, and again, I thought he played well. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to judge him on, on physicality, and normally don't say that about a cover corner. And then you look at Drake or Patrick, he's playing more time. And then Byron Murphy, he's still getting picked on a little bit here. So when you look at it, 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 all these guys have been in the system for the last couple of years. And then if you throw in the three safeties with the backups and Banjo and, um, you know, either Charles Washington and, and when, you know, Kevin Peterson's backing up at corner, I, I really think, you know, the six guys that they're going to roll out every week um, – there's upside to all those guys just based on being in Vance's system for the second year in a row. Well, this is going to be a big test for that secondary coming up on Monday Night Football when you look at the Cowboys and their depth at wide receiver, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, who is certainly turning heads in his first year in the National Football League. And this is a team that certainly can throw the ball, put up points, irregardless of who the quarterback might be. So a nice test to see, all right, you did well against the Jets. Can you do it against the Cowboys? Yeah, and I was able to look it up as you were talking. Um, technically, there's five teams that are over 30 points a game, starting with Green Bay. They're coming off a bye. Seattle has a bye this week, the first time, and they, they've been unbeaten in, in Seahawks history. Dallas, 31.4. Buffalo, 31. They're playing on Tuesday against the Titans. And then Las Vegas, an impressive win over Kansas City. Now, you do have about four teams at 29. So basically it was 10, then it was 8, so we can give or take. It's usually between 6 and 10, and I would hope at some point we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals in there. You know, the Rams are averaging 27 points a game. The Cardinals are averaging 26. Baltimore's averaging 25. Uh, Car- uh, Carolina and, and San Francisco, 25. So they're right in the mix. And, again, we go back to stall drives. Um, you can add at least three to four more points each game for the Cardinals, and we're being kind there. I'm only going 33% of 15, obviously, uh, drives that have stalled. And I wonder if that number of teams averaging 30 goes down a little bit further as the defenses kind of catch up to where the offenses are right now or if it just kind of stays somewhat flat because there were certain a lot of teams coming out of the gate scoring 25, 30, 35 points, and everyone's wondering, well, why aren't the Cardinals – in that mix because a second-year head coach, second-year quarterback, same offensive system, and we haven't quite seen that on a consistent basis yet. Yeah, last year the Cardinals averaged 22.4 points per game. So they're they're obviously ahead, but I want to see that number get to 28, 29, possibly 30, and that means this team's able to move the football. Bird Gang, if you like this podcast, Cardinals Cover 2, we invite you to subscribe to all of the Arizona Cardinal podcasts, Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Just subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We continue here on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we do each and every Tuesday here during the course of the season. It's time to go inside the NFC West, one of the better divisions in all of football, no longer the only division with all teams at or above 500. 
It's because the 49ers lost again. We'll get into them in a moment. But right now, the Seahawks standing head and shoulders above everyone else off to a 5-0 and five and start, excuse me, their best start in franchise history. They beat the Vikings, MJ, on Sunday Night Football 27-26. to Although it did not look good early, they trailed 13 to nothing before rallying back. Yeah, and they come out in the third quarter and they scored 21 points in you know, this is what the, uh, the the NFL games come down to. You go back to last year, that uh, NFC championship game where, you know, basically Seattle had a chance to score a touchdown on the goal line, and they end up losing that game. But here, you know, um, you know if you're Mike Zimmer, um, you're up by five. Why don't you kick the field goal and go up by eight? And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And you got to give Wilson credit because both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett actually dropped passes, and they he still went back to them. I think um, their offensive line is still not up to par, but we know that Hugh Dini covers a lot of those blemishes uh, defensively. Um, they do give up points. Um, you know, the backup running back, um, what was his name? Patterson, Madison. He he had 112 yards. They gave up 200 yards on the ground. And, and now, granted, you know, when Russell Wilson's, you know, throwing for, you know, three or four touchdowns, um, you know, that's how it's working out. But this is the first time, believe it or not, in franchise history, they started off 5-0 and and they have a bye this week. Yeah, they win on a six-yard touchdown pass from Wilson to Metcalf with 15 seconds to play. A nice diving catch coming across the middle of the end zone capped a 95-yard drive only because Mike Zimmer's decision to go for it on fourth and one at the Seattle 5. Be interesting to know if there were fans in attendance and the 12th man was alive and well, do you go forward in that situation or do you kick the field goal? The numbers, the analytical numbers, say it was the right decision. Win it on the field at that point. Yet I understand what you're saying, MJ, that now all of a sudden you're giving Russell Wilson, yes, it's the length of the football field, but he is certainly phenomenal this season. And next to Dak Prescott, the best quarterback in the league through the first five weeks, yet that's a lot of time to give him in order to operate. Now, Wilson did throw an interception in the second half, which is very unusual. I mean, his numbers are remarkable, you know, touchdown-interception ratio. Yeah, I, my thing is, though, if you're up by eight, they got to go to the length of the field, and they got to get a two-point conversion. But we do know that head coaches across the league, and we've got one here in Cliff Kingsbury, Nine times out of ten, and maybe ten times out of ten, coaches are going to be more apt to go for it on fourth down. No, I, I agree, and you got to believe in your team. And and the fact that, you know, they had a 13 nothing lead, and then we talked about the Seahawks scoring 21 points. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's tough because they lose one of their top backs in Delvin Cook, and it looks like he's going to be out. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, Gary Kubiak called a good game. They, they had the Seahawks on their heels at times, um, but they couldn't do it for four quarters. Russell Wilson now 19 touchdown passes this season, five of which have gone to D.K. Metcalf, who is having a great second season. The Seahawks, by the way, are off this weekend. Their next game, well, at State Farm Stadium as they'll play the Cardinals in Week 7. The Rams improved to 4-1, and one, beat Washington 30-10. to 10. The Rams go 4-0 and oh against the NFC East. Do we crown them right now? Division uh, champs, the Rams, NFC East. No, because they don't play in the NFC East, and their lone loss was to the Buffalo Bills, and so th- that's good. They got four uh, conference wins. Um, unfortunately, you're going to have to you know, take care of business in your division. But I think Jared Goff quietly is having a good season. Now, you look at his numbers in that game, 
21 of 30, 309, two touchdowns, uh, you know, one interception. But they're they're going running back by committee basically, and it's Acres. He was dealing with an injury, and then you got Henderson and Brown. They ran for 130. Um, it's hard to qualify, you know, because they were playing the Washington football team. They started Kyle Allen, then they brought in Alex Smith. Um, that team is trying to find some identity. Obviously, you feel for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he was sick, but he was going to be inactive, and clearly they're ready to move on from him. So, um, but that's the NFL. You got to go on the road and you got to win games, and they did that. And I think slowly but surely, Craig, their defense is starting to come together. Now we're going to obviously focus on Aaron Donald, four sacks, but um, they got some other guys there. And uh, it's not the household names were Newton, uh, you know, the, the Brockers and all that other stuff. And, you know, guys that they had there, you know, even a guy like Clay Matthews. But uh, slowly but surely, and I think they made that switch to go with a younger coordinator uh, than Wade Phillips. I think Wade Phillips is, is a quality coordinator. He, he wants a job back in the NFL. But uh, you could see it slowly but surely. Uh, they are coming together as a defense. The number one scoring defense in the NFC, talking about the Rams, and you mentioned the four sacks by Aaron Donald, eight sacks total in that contest, six on Alex Smith, who right now, comeback story of the year, comeback player of the year, a remarkable performance by him just to make it on the field, yet he gets on the field and he's greeted with six sacks, including a couple by Aaron Donald. Well, and then they got a guy named Reeder, he had 10 tackles, three sacks, um, two tackle for losses, three uh, quarterback hits. And, and again, Brockers is still there. Aaron Donald, you know, he had four sacks for 23 yards. Um, I, again, uh, I was questionable about the move, but when you talk to people in, in Los Angeles, they thought, you know, nothing. it was nothing against Wade. I think, uh, you know, Sean came in and he wanted to have a defensive head coach. And he just focused on the offense, and we know, you know, he would be sitting on the water cooler when golf would come out off the field. He wouldn't even pay attention to the defense. Um, so, but um, I, I, you know, I, I thought this was the year the Cardinals are going to have to jump the Rams, be, but maybe maybe this is the year the Cardinals jump the Niners, and they're still going to have to deal with uh, the Rams. And we know that Mc, when McVay's been there, uh, they've been the hammer, and we've been the nail. Rams will travel to the 49ers on Sunday night football. So back-to-back Sunday night football games in which the NFC West is highlighted. And, of course, the Cardinals and uh, Cowboys on Monday night football. So good primetime matchups for the NFC West this week. The 49ers, they are sitting in fourth place in the division. They lose once again, this time to the Dolphins, 43-17. The 49ers, 2-3. and three. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 350 yards passing and three touchdowns. But when you look at the 49ers, the good news, Jimmy Garoppolo returned. Well, maybe he returned too quickly because that ankle injury, he struggled through two first-half interceptions and was replaced at halftime by C.J. Beathard. No decision from Kyle Shanahan as far as what's going to happen moving forward. I think a lot of it, MJ, depends on Garoppolo's health as the week progresses. Yeah, as we were watching the Cardinals game against the Jets, I uh, was glancing at the scoreboard, and it was 30-7 to at the half. Now, I listened to Shanahan yesterday, and he said that he thought it was in his best interest to take Garoppolo out of that game. He said he didn't want to get him beat up. So, you know, and the Nick Mullins show looks like that's over and C.J. Beathard. But um, 
I never really believed in that Super Bowl hangover, you know. But you can make the case that have the Falcons recovered from that lead nope. twenty-eight to three, or was it? And they just fired their GM and, and head coach. Um, I didn't buy it. I thought, you know, but th- let's be honest though, they've been decimated with injuries. But everyone has them. It's just when you lose Bosa and Solomon Thomas, and you didn't have your top wide receivers, and George Kittle can only do so much there. So. Um, but they definitely are, are not going to be a 13-3 and team this year. No, they've already had as many losses as they did all of last season, and it's only getting worse. Richard Sherman was scheduled to return to practice this week, but that won't happen after he suffered a setback, according to Shanahan. Sherman on the IR because of a calf injury. And then I found this interesting. One of the riders who covers the 49ers was looking ahead The next seven games here for the 49ers, why that many people believe the 49ers are going to be left in the dust when it comes to the rest of the division. Are you ready for this? The next seven games for the 49ers, Rams at Patriots, at Seahawks, home to the Packers, at Saints, at Rams, home to the Bills. Seven teams that are all right there in their own division and on top of their respective conferences as far as some of the best offenses and defenses in the National Football League, and that's who the 49ers are going to face. You talk about a first-place schedule, that is what a first-place schedule looks like. Yeah, good thing uh, John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shannon got six-year contracts. It's not going to be easy, especially if you've got a banged-up quarterback and your backup maybe you're not as high on anymore. Yeah, but I, I, you know, Beathard's been in the system before they got Garoppolo. Nick Mullins obviously was he was intriguing. He played really well in those first two games, and you know he's kind of got the mentality of a gunslinger like Brett Favre. They went to the same school, but the way he came out on that national game and he, the first two passes, I mean, he had uh, check in the flat on a wheelhouse route, and he just flat out missed him, and and then everything else from that point on went down. So, um, yeah, you look at that, and that is a first place schedule. And they haven't won at home this year, right? Correct. They're 0-3. Their two wins have come at MetLife Stadium. Against the Jets and Giants. And you're supposed to take care of business. And they blew those teams out. But they're 0-3 at home. Yeah, and just the way they performed was a surprise to the Dolphins because whether you win or lose, that's one thing. And and then Miami, I think, is kind of a real up-and-down team right now. But to get blown out at home to a team that was traveling from east to west uh, certainly raised some eyebrows. I think it was telling when they lost to the Eagles. The 49ers? On that Sunday night because – Philadelphia was reeling. You know, Carson Wentz, you know, they, they, they draft Jalen Hurts and they want to put him in the game, and Carson Wentz doesn't know how to slide. Um, and they and they end up losing that game 25-20. That, that was telling to me because it was almost like a boxing match where the the Eagles were on the ropes and you had every opportunity. And that's, and that's only not only um, it was a home game, but also it was a, it was a conference game. And, again, at this point, it's probably mis- uh, miscellaneous to w- worry about that. But um, I guess that Super Bowl hangover is real. Here is what the division looks like for week six. The Seahawks are off, and the Rams will travel to the 49ers. Obviously, the Cardinals have the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Seahawks 5-0, and Rams 4-1, and Cardinals 3-2, and 49ers 2-3. and Certainly one of the tougher divisions in all of football. And right now, perhaps – 
just a three-team race, if you believe, as we just said, what happens here over the next seven games for the 49ers. Can they keep pace given the gauntlet of games that are ahead of them on the schedule? Yeah, and, and right now the Cardinals are 3-2, and two, Tampa's 3-2, and two, Carolina's 3-2, and two, so the, they're all bunched up for that 7-8-9 and nine seed. Obviously, it's too early to start getting into seeding, but we all know this year seven teams in each conference, and whoever be, happens to be the number one seed, they're the only teams going to get a buy in the first round. So it's going to be fascinating week 15, 16, and 17. And, Craig, I really believe nine wins could get you in the postseason. I love the fact that you are looking at the playoff standings for the second week in a row here on Cardinals Cover 2. Well, yesterday the Cardinals were like an eight or a nine seed. They're actually a seven seed, and it means absolutely nothing right now. No, but it is a nice talking point, and as we say, it beats the alternative because well, we haven't been in this position in a quite some time. Well, if you're Philadelphia and Detroit and Washington and Minnesota, you're like a 13 seed, so at least we're in the conversation now. Again, a lot of football still to be played. Well, let's make sure the Cardinals stay in that conversation with a win at Dallas on Monday Night Football. We'll get heavier into the details on the Dallas Cowboys coming up later on in the week. Certainly the storyline, MJ, is going to be the quarterback. That is one storyline. Dak Prescott hurt. Andy Dalton comes in, and then the return of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray to Texas. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that matchup. And uh, just came out right now, the Cardinals have signed Prince Akamura to the practice squad. And Jalen Brown has been released from the practice squad. So the cornerback addition that we talked about late last week has become official, and we're seeing a lot of these veterans added to practice squads because of the new rules given COVID-19 that you can have veterans on the practice squad. Yeah, a local guy from Apollo, correct? Correct, Glendale Apollo. He was a draft pick uh, with, the, with the New York Giants, and then he played in Chicago, and then he was he, he's bounced around. And, and according to the Cardinals, they felt like they had some interest in during the offseason. Um, and then he decided to go to the Raiders and he was let go there. So to me, you're talking about an experienced guy. You know, in other words, you don't have to rely on some fifth string guy. Uh, he has experience. He's familiar with the conference. Um, so you can never have enough corners. And if something happens there, which we're not, they don't need to have any more injuries in that secondary. At least you got a guy that you know can come in and play right away. Yeah, knock on wood, it's not needed, but always good to have it in your back pocket. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.